Hey, it's your Kali. What's up? Warning. 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 You are about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start five, four, three, two, one. Hello, we are back with Yolokali. Right now you are listening to WLPN LP, Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolokali in Little Village. So today is our first show back. It's our season premiere. Um, so um, we are, what's up? Yes. So today we have our first show, which is called Ladies First. Now, my name is Marimar. And my name is Cecilia. And what is uh, ladies first? My name is Zipporah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like Zipporah has some identity crisis going on. Yes, I it's do. Okay. Hopefully this show helps resolve that. <laughs> so what does ladies first mean? Um, ladies first is our first um, radio show of the season. Um, hence the name, ladies first. So it's all about women. It's a women's month. National Women's Day was on the 8th. So I think it falls perfectly yes exactly but don't feel like ladies first means that we want ladies to always be first it just happens to be your first show and we are going to be presenting stories that are all made by ladies so i hope you guys enjoy our first audio is going to be a telenovela audio so it's going to be very interesting talking about the dynamics of female characters in telenovelas so remember that you are listening to WLPN LP uh, Chicago 105 FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Studio Y Locali in Little Village. Like many other Latin teens in the world, I grew up watching telenovelas with my parents. After a while though, I started analyzing them and I noticed a pattern. Her girl falls in love with a mean, rich man. Then they go through a lot of drama. And finally, they have their happily ever after. The end. But as fun as it is to watch these novelas, they are realistic. Do people who watch them expect to have their happily ever after? Do they expect to meet their soulmate and have all their dreams come true? And what are the expectations and stereotypes shown? Let's start with the female lead. They are always poor, sweet, kind, pure, and very forgiving. She is just perfect, right? The trusting and forgiving nature and her inability to be able to live without the man she loves. But let's be honest, nobody is perfect. Everyone has flaws, so why do these producers insist in making the female lead their version of perfection? Then there's the other female lead, the antagonist. She is an ambitious, strong, determined woman wants nothing more than to be with the male lead because of his money. But why does such a strong woman have to want the man's money? If she is so strong and independent, why can't she work for her own? And why does her ambition and determination automatically make her evil? Can she be strong, ambitious, and kind? And why can't she be seen as good? Why can't a woman only be one thing or another? Why can't she be a little of both? 
known to the male, the strong, handsome, arrogant, wealthy man who at first sees the female lead as being beneath him. He is initially awful towards her, which obviously doesn't keep her from loving him. Though he claims to love her, the man often cheats or abuses her, yet he is always forgiven. But why does the woman want to be with a man like this? Why does she insist on being in a toxic relationship? Why can't she choose the man who is kind and faithful? What does this say about women in general and about men? Do these novellas give a bad impression of how men and women should act? Do they give teens a bad impression of what love is? Do they misrepresent both love and life? Do you watch telenovelas? Yes, I watch telenovelas. Which type? Uh, I usually watch the new novellas. Like right now, I'm watching a new novella called Yo No Quiero Los Hombres. Are they part of your daily life? Um, well, recently, yes, it became part of my life. I actually would watch novelas before, like old novelas with my mom, like since I was really young, and I kind of stopped watching them for a good three years, and I really got back into it right now, and I've been watching all the episodes, and I've been trying to keep up, but right now, yeah, it's, it's a part of my life, and it's very exciting, yet very dramatic, but, yeah. Do you think they help make you who you are? Honestly, I don't think they help make me who I am, but I mean, it's just something to watch, you know, and something to keep you interested in. Um, I guess it, maybe it does like impact me maybe a little bit because then, you know, you kind of compare it to like real life and you're like, oh yeah, this is true or yeah, no, this is not true. But I don't think it's something like significant. Do you think they misrepresent you and your culture? Um, I think yes, maybe it might misrepresent us. But then again, some of the things that happen in novelas do, do happen in real life. Maybe not to the extent that they show on the, in the novelas. But um, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like we're not all about love and cheating like they are on there. Like that's basically all novelas are. Like, oh, the girl falls in love with the guy. He's always rich and she's always poor. And, you know, like it's not always like that, you know. For once, why can't it be like a girl that's rich and the guy that's poor, you know? Or why can't they both be rich or both be poor? Like, make a novella about that, and it's never about that. So, yeah, we're misrepresented sometimes. <laughs> and does it misrepresent life and love? Oh, yes, 100%. Like, the way they show it on there, it's they make it seem like, oh, it's, it's love at first sight. And, like, once I see him, oh, I'm so in love with him, and that's all I want. And it's always a girl who is so naive and, like, it's always looking for help from a guy and honestly I mean that's not the way I am I know that's not the way some girls are um, so yeah it is misrepresented and sometimes like if a little girl like me who watched at a very young age they might see that and think oh like is that gonna happen to me when I'm older you know so yeah it, rem it misrepresents love as children we grew up dreaming of a happily ever after but as teens we're able to realize how unrealistic this is there will always be struggles and obstacles for us to overcome. But it shouldn't stop us from trying to find happiness. It shouldn't keep us from dreaming and fighting for better things and a better life. So always remember to enjoy the little things in life. The time spent watching novelas with your family. The laughs shared as the antagonist loses in the end. And the small and amusing arguments over the control.
we are back again you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio y yolokali in little village yes we just finished hearing this audio piece telenovelas by claudia delgado a former uh, a student now i love telenovelas personally i grew up watching them but I do notice that the characters that they portray or the women roles they portray is either very poor and innocent or very evil and wicked. I think that really talks about uh, this Madonna complex and how it is fed into us by the media, right? Yeah. Why, why does a woman have to be this or that? When in reality, we'll, we are multifaceted human beings, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I think we grow up either knowing that a woman is super crazy or super innocent there's really no in between and you know what we learn what we see when we're younger can really impact us i think that it's important that we teach younger people that that's not all there is to women yeah so it's how we are raised and also the way what we see growing up right so Mm -hmm. on tv and i think that watching novelas right most of the characters were latinas However, growing up in the United States, I felt that I was also fed into what it meant to be a Latina in the media, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had a similar experience. No, yeah, I agree. Me being um, a black young girl, um, just growing up, always seeing that the African-American or the black person is always feisty, always yelling or ghetto and loud and wild. You know, that's basically all you see. You have that one token black person a lot of the time, and they're usually the fun ones, the crazy ones, the loud ones. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, in the case of me being a Latina, I feel like the Latinas portrayed in the media are typically always feisty as well. They always have this very thick accent, and they're super sexual. Yeah, and I've seen that. I think it causes this identity uh, mm-hmm. crisis when you're growing up and you understand that that's not you. Yeah. Um, but uh, thankfully, we see that that is starting to change. We mm-hmm. see that Hidden Figures, uh, which recently came out, is a film that portrays women of color as human beings, as intelligent ones, and it doesn't necessarily sexualize them, which I think is amazing. Yes, definitely. I agree with you. Um, I actually watched the movie, and it was so heartbreaking, but also it was so intelligent. It was so brilliant because the characters there were brilliant, and some of them did have those feisty, you know, character traits. They were a little bit feisty and sassy, but it didn't it didn't seep through you know intelligence was still one of their main things yes and i think we would love uh for that to be shown more in the media these intelligent women um so we're gonna listen to a piece hidden figures um up next and just remember that you're listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio y at yolo cali in little village If we want to talk about strong women, the new movie, Hidden Figures, is a great movie and an inspirational story for women and minorities alike. The movie is based on three women, Katherine Johnson, played by Tarahi P. Henson, Dorothy Vogg, played by Octavia Spencer, Mary Jackson, played by Janelle Moane. These women helped NASA send the first man into space. Not many people knew about him and what they did until the movie premiered. The movie starts in 1961. At the time, there was a segregation between white and black people. 
in schools, theaters, libraries, and in public water fountains. There was always a white and black section and people were always labeled. Black people were treated less than white people. These three women, Catherine, Dorothy, and Mary, worked for NASA in the color computer department. They did simple jobs and or any jobs given to them. As a computer, people did math as fast as they could and efficiently. Since there was no advanced calculators or computers to compute really hard math problems, they had specialized people that were dedicated for only computing. The main characters were part of the color computer department. Color was a reference that meant that they were black. They did not have as good as jobs as white computers. One day, these three women were able to move from being a computer and play very important roles that helped better the lives of colored computers in NASA. Catherine was in a confidential NASA meeting and helped solve math problems for the launch and landing of the space shuttle. Mary got a lawyer to sign off for her to attend an all-white school so she could become an engineer. Dorothy became the first black supervisor for the colored computers and learned how to work NASA's first computer. She also saved the color computer department. They suffered through discrimination, long days of work, and persevered through it all. They broke stereotypes in their state and in their work, and showed that they were just as equal as their white colleagues. Overall, this movie portrayed these women as exceptional in their work and life. They uncovered the figures that deserve recognition. Hello, and we are back. Remember, you're listening to WFPN LP Chicago 105 FM Lumpin' Radio. Um, yes, that was really empowering. The audio piece, the movie, it just, you know, it built me up as a young woman of color. It's very empowering. Yeah, I think it's great that the portrayal of women in the media is definitely changing. And I think that something else that is very empowering is that women are taking these important roles in the media. Uh, which is very interesting because then it changes all the dynamic. Recently, we see that Univision Chicago Newsroom was awarded the Stutz Turkle Community Media Award, which is really awesome. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that actually the Univision Chicago Newsroom is led by a woman. It's a very powerful woman. Uh, her name is Teri Arvesu. And I interviewed her, I got the chance to interview her and really understand what it means to be a woman in a field that demands a lot of time. Uh, you're saying of working long, long hours, especially during special events like debates, presidential elections, etc. So I'm really excited to share that with you and hopefully it really uh, empowers many of you. Yeah. Yeah, so always remember that you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolokali in Little Village. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram, guys. I always feel nervous walking through the glass doors with the Univision brand engraved. That day, I walked past those doors to the receptionist desk and I asked for Terry Arvesu, news director of Univision Chicago. I was only a junior in high school when I met Terry in the Latino Caucus. I remember that at that point, I was contemplating a career in the media, but my insecurities were holding me back. I used to say, nah, I'm too short, my accent is too thick, I'm too young. Those thoughts make me think that I could never seriously pursue a career in the media. Terry heard me talk about those insecurities and she said, ¿Y tú por qué no? She was very open about mentoring me and helping me be more confident about myself. And she did. 
After knowing her for a couple of years, it was until now that I feel more confident. That confidence led me to ask her for an interview. I waited patiently in that waiting room. Then I was led to Terry. We walked to her neatly organized office, and after watching the 5 o'clock news, we began the interview. I started by asking her about her job at Univision. Basically, what I do is I'm in charge of the news department here. So and everybody between reporters and cameramen, editors, assignment desk, producers, the crew, all in some way or another reporting to me. Part of my job is to oversee the content that we're putting on the air and that it is a con content that speaks to our audiences. I don't do that alone. She explains that her job in many ways is a supervisory role. She expands that her job is also about driving vision and transmitting that vision to her employees. She also works very closely with other departments within the company and outside resources to assure that her employees have different resources to create excellent content for the audience. In a nutshell. It's kind of driving excellence in the newscast, I guess. Her career was very extensive before becoming the news director at Univision. Terry began working in the media when she was only 16 years old. During that time, she was in charge of coordination backstage. Being in the media, she met a mentor that then offered her an internship. Arveso recalls that during that time, she did not know what an internship was. I got home and I asked my mom, you know, what is an internship? Is this something that I'm going to get paid? She's like, I don't know, just say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And so my junior year in high school, going into my senior year, I spent the summer going to Telemundo and um, doing an internship. It was an unpaid internship, which at the time, lucky enough to be able to do that. During that first internship with Telemundo, she made connections that led her to a second internship. She mentioned that saying yes to an opportunity can have a trickle-down effect. I'm really good at identifying the jobs nobody else wants to do and then finding the opportunity in that and then start doing it, right? Because then all of a sudden you go from being somebody who's just a little more passive to somebody who is sort of instrumental and indispensable. I think the opportunities that have been presented to me has been is being in the right place at the right time. So I, that was another reason why it became so helpful that I would take on the job that other people didn't want and then became indispensable because all of a sudden I was at the TV station and I would hear like, hey, there's a new show or hey, so-and-so's leaving. And then I'd be like, oh, let me go after, I'm going to go after that job. And then I'd volunteer, hey, can I learn how to do that job or whatever? And then they'd teach me and then they're, when the person either called in sick or something else happened, I was like, oh, I'll do it, you know? And so that's how I kind of paved the way for myself. When Terry Arvesu was in college, she obtained her first full-time job as an assistant producer for Telemundo Network for a daily entertainment show called Edición Especial. For many college students, getting a job in their field after college is crucial. Terry was able to accomplish this before getting her college degree but that did not stop her from continuing her college education. For me, it was important that no matter what, even if I was working in the business already, it was so important for me to get my degree because I had made it this far without a degree. I kind of chalked that up to luck, even though I think it was a little bit of luck and a, little, a lot of hard work too, you know? And I said, I don't want to ever discount myself because I didn't get that degree. 
After obtaining her degree, she started working for another network show called De Mañanitas. From there, she went to another show at the local Miami TV station. I've just been the type of person, I never can sit still. It's like once I learn something and you know, a job becomes routine, I'm like, okay, what else can I learn so I can start doing that? And then I start doing that and I always end up doing a little bit more of my job itself because I'm constantly looking for that challenge of what's next. In 2002, she moved from Telemundo to Univision. It was in Univision where she became the executive producer. All of this change occurred while she was pregnant of her first son. And Univision called me and I moved over to Univision. This was in 2002. I started to produce their, their 6 p.m. newscast. It was, our, it was the number one newscast. We would beat everybody, all the English stations, everything. And then they decided to make me the executive producer. So I was the second in charge. All of this happened while I was pregnant with my first son. And I thought, oh my God, I can't, I can't. I can't be a mom and also be a mom now to 60 people in the newsroom. But I did it and it was crazy and it was chaotic, but I got through it. And then the position opened up here in Chicago for news director and I was ready for the next move. And so me and my family, we all, my husband and my two kids, it was crazy. Cuban girls don't do that. Latinas don't do that, right? Like you don't leave home. Like what? You, you already, I mean, you could do it in college, but you don't, you know, you come back, right? It was crazy in my family to think, but I picked up and we moved here to Chicago and that's where how I got to where I am today. I was able to get a better understanding of how she was able to become the news director at Univision Chicago. She was also recognized by Chicago Business Magazine as part of Crane's The 40 Under 40, a list that recognizes successful leaders, thinkers, and builders. Such recognition speaks about all the hard work that she has done in Chicago. Getting to the position she's in was only accomplished after overcoming many challenges. I think um, being a woman and also being so young in Spanish language at the time, it wasn't easy. I don't think people take you as seriously sometimes. I think there's an awareness around that nowadays where they understand, right, that the there are perceptions and there are stereotypes within the workplace that affect women more than they affect men. But I never have felt that it was something that would determine my career. In other words, if that was the perception that I had to overcome, well, then that just meant that I had to work harder. And then rather than spending my time and my energy thinking, oh, darn it, look at, look at these people. They, they don't have to work as hard as I do. Or look at these guys. They don't have to work as hard as I do or so-and-so. I didn't spend my time doing it. I'm just like, you know what? Forget what everybody else has to do and just work really hard because eventually things come full circle. You know, it's like being in a marathon. If you're the first one, the first guy isn't looking back to see who's behind him. And in front of them, there's nobody else to compare themselves to. So I kind of just created my own track in that sense and said, focus on the end goal, not on the challenges in between. Being a young woman, I have faced similar challenges in my academic career. I was also particularly interested on the aspect of motherhood. I personally have always been bombarded with the idea that one day I need to be a mother, professional, a woman, and a wife, something that has always intimidated me. Terry, being a mother of two children, spoke more about motherhood in a profession that demands plenty of time. Being a mother was not a challenge. It's a gift. It wasn't the challenge of being a mom. It was the challenge of accepting that I couldn't do everything perfectly. 
The moment I accepted that I was not going to do everything perfect and that it was okay, it really became, it was a challenge I was self-imposing on myself instead. To, to some of the girls that listen that say, well, I don't really want to try so hard at work anyways because it doesn't matter because I'm, eventually I'm just going to get married and go and like, you know, be a mom or whatever. If that's what you want to do, then I think that's great. And I applaud that. But if you're not somebody that wants to do that, then you don't need to be apologetic about it. You know, not every, we're not all created the same. I remember being a kid and I didn't sit there and play with dolls that much. I played office and it's fine, you know? And those, those, those pressures of society that you have to conform to a certain way get to a point where you're like, I'm too tired of worrying about what other people think. I gotta be me, you know? And if it means being a little bit flawed, which we all are, because nobody's perfect, then maybe I need to just accept that, you know? Having so much experience, I asked her if she could sum up her career successes to a specific quote or phrase. What really sums up my career is what my mom told me when she said, when I asked her about the internship, like, what is it? You know, what's an internship and do you get paid? And she says, I don't know, but you just say yes to everything. There's an amazing thing that happens in life when you say yes to things. When you say yes to things, it's empowering. Because the moment that you do, even as scared as you are that this is completely out of my comfort zone, and all of a sudden you say, what if I had to do this? And it was, my, it was a matter of life or death. You honestly find that you find ways to make things happen that naturally, had you been looking for the no, you would have not even tried. I, I firmly believe that there's a difference between the people who make it and the people who don't make it is because the people who make it felt that they were in charge of their lives and the people who didn't make it are because they felt they were like kind of like pawns of fate. Like, bueno, vamos a ver qué pasa, y no, you know, no. After the interview, I feel more motivated. Despite the fact that I am still aware of challenges that I face in becoming a successful journalist and that there is so much room for me to improve, the dream seems more tangible. And even if you're not interested in the media, Terry's story is proof that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Right, and we are back. So um, I think it was an amazing uh, piece. I felt really, really empowered after that interview. Yeah, um, me too. I think it's important to, again, recognize that women can be CEOs. Women can still have muscles and be beautiful. Women can be leaders. And I think something that was very beautiful was this aspect of motherhood that you spoke about. This idea that, yes, she was uh, a very, very powerful woman, right? She's the director of a new studio, but at the same time, she could still be this mother. And also this idea that strong and emotional, they don't have to be two separate things. You can be a strong, emotional woman, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I think that um, women, um, they're, they're seen to be so vulnerable, especially when they're on their... Um, menstrual cycles they're seen to be you know 
inconsistent you know one day they're happy one day they're sad crazy mood swings and i think it's important to know that women can be emotional as well as strong yeah and you know what although like we can be emotional and like i said we're multifaceted human beings i really really hate when you're saying something as a woman and then someone tells you you are just being dramatic yes i think that is the worst thing yes, ever it is because then they're just diminishing mm-hmm. everything you said the importance and the relevance to just you being you right you being a woman you being dramatic terrible um but thankfully we have uh different things that counteract that so uh cecilia is joining us today uh with a conversation so um what do you think we're gonna yeah what do you think sassy hey guys so um we're talking about like women being judged women being both strong and emotional oh well Mm -hmm. that's an interesting topic um i feel like a lot of the times women are seen as these fragile human beings and it's not you know something that should be seen that way because women have a really strong side you know uh it's not just men the fact that uh women might be physically less stronger at some at sometimes uh well that's understandable you know it's scientifically proven however it's not always the same with every girl when it comes to like mental um mental strength or physical strength there's like girls i know that would beat up guys in a in a quick five seconds um but yeah i feel like there's also a a fragile side to us like it or not with any strong individual uh there's always going to be you know that side that's like a, a bit more sensitive and that's okay too because i feel like it's not always about you know being the tough female you know it's about also having uh emotions like as any human being would you know we we all have feelings and it's not it shouldn't be seen as a weakness when you cry like tears are not like um a symbol of weakness you know yeah and i definitely think that is true for both uh women and men because um men are also always having to put this like strong kind of upfront but in reality they are also emotional so this idea that as this uh, dichotomy, right, this idea that society places on women being fragile and men being strong, it really affects both sexes, both genders. Um, so being strong and emotional should be something that's always considered to go hand in hand. Um, yeah, um, I agree with what you said. I think that, yes, it is scientifically proven that most men are stronger than women, but that in no way, shape or form means that they deserve to be treated better that they are mentally stronger because some women are stronger than men um and it's also scientifically proven that women are smarter than men so (laughs) yeah it's it it's um if if we're getting scientific about this you know um there is several studies that prove that women um are more tolerant with pain which explains um uh giving birth you know it's, it's it's uh i read this fact online that said that um giving birth is like having your hands burned alive so like think about that pain you know it's not an easy pain and the fact that you know we women are the ones that give birth to um to the the new um individuals of this society of this world we live in you know it's something that we should acknowledge because uh, men can't do that and um well most cases there has been like rare cases where maybe it might have happened i don't know nothing's impossible but um, we have to acknowledge that it's not easy an easy task to do, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, speaking about really strong women, uh, we have a poem by Maya, Maya Angelou, uh, which is called I Still I Rise. So we're going to listen to that coming up. And always remember that you are listening to WLPNLP, Chicago 105.5 FM, Lumpin' Radio. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just cause I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. <laughs> Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides. Just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops? weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just cause I laugh as if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness, but just like life, I rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh. Does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. <laughs> Out of the huts of history's shame I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling and bearing in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, wow. There I go. <laughs> Absolutely love Maya Angelou. Yes, she's you... one of my idols. <laughs> yes, did you know that for a while Maya Angelou was actually homeless? Really? Yeah. Yes, so she would uh, learn by going to the public libraries. So I think it's really amazing because then we see that this idea of being a woman comes along with other things, right? Like race, like we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Um, and also class. Um, so it's very interesting how those dynamics work together. I think that now more than ever, it's important to hear things like this, things um, that empower young women. I think that what you, you know, listen to, what you hear, what goes into your mind has to be empowering, has to build your confidence and your, you know, self-esteem because, you know, I think that we're growing up in a world where surgery, things to alter your, you know, physical appearance is very popular. Yes, and I think it's uh, not only empowering, but empowering women in all aspects, right? Yes. Uh, There's a huge spectrum uh, that uh, women fall under, right? Mm -hmm. That it empowers all of them, that we see more women with disabilities in the media, more mm -hmm. women of color, uh, women of different classes being able to attain uh, their goals. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's also like, um, I feel like it's also a, 
a, a way of demonstrating you know there is no uh, specific image for women you know it's like uh it's not all about physical um physical um how would you say it uh characteristics mm -hmm. um yeah so it's it's it takes a lot like there is no one specific uh type of women there's multiples you know whether like you said it's with um d disabilities or um different ways of being whatever it is no race uh or no uh well i could say like no culture is yeah. is like something that should obstruct uh the fact that uh you're a woman or like if you're either skinny or slim or um or f or thick to not say fat you know because i feel like that's kind of a uh, a word that can be interpreted both ways yeah. but it's like no no body type there is no body type specifically designed for women and we, we see like oh the the body glass shape like we refer to a lot yes. as the as the desire for a woman to to be seen as uh with a with a perfect curvy body you know it's like we're looking at the 21st century here it's not like that anymore you know, it's sad that body types are trendy, you know. Yeah. First, maybe it was, you know, the very slim. Now it's thick hourglass, wide hips. And you kind of have to fit into it. That's what society is telling us all over the media. I think that women are portrayed to be perfect, maybe slim, you know, thicker around the hips and the thighs. And that's not necessarily true. And we also have to see that, so, like, starting at the 80s or 90s, uh, a lot of the a lot of women overweight were targeted yes and now like coming into the 21st century uh we see that things kind of switched around and it's more directed towards skinny women like oh you're flat you're not uh thick enough uh, the word thick has become such a trendy word and we have to see that it, it's just the same equal problem women don't see it that way for example there's um several artists that uh, like to skinny shame a lot and that's just something that's really not necessary because it's like just as we were attacking uh women who were overweight in those times 80s or 90s and so on back yeah. it's not right to uh shame uh women for being uh, of a lesser weight because that's just as like th that's still targeting a specific group of individuals and it's never correct you know, the other day, I think you were there, someone personally told me, this is, they said, you are like the bottom of my shoe, you're flat. And I was like, what? Be yeah, I was there, I remember that. And it wasn't even like, it hurt me, it didn't hurt me, but I was just like, is that's that's how low you're willing you're willing to go you're willing to insult me about my body yeah it's first off you shouldn't be like you know kind of like okay we all have eyes yes but the fact that you have to um diminish a a, a specific trait of a woman it's, it's really not necessary and i just i found that to be offensive to be see, to be directed towards you because i mean we can all interpret different ways like some people will tell me oh you have a nice body some people will tell me oh you're too flat some people will tell me you're kind of you know you're kind of chubby and i'm like wait what yeah and i think it's also this idea like not only in body types but shaming overall i think that society targets us women and puts us against each other where instead of uniting for one whole like for one goal we kind of look at each other and we put each other down which I think is the saddest thing because instead of empowering each other, putting yeah, each other down, we're putting each other yeah, down. I see that that's a, like a really major problem because let's recall that it's not always men insulting women. 
uh, we're not making men the enemy here never have will we ever or have we said that but we also have to see that women uh, target women and that's something that's really horrible uh, because yeah like you said we should all like help each other out and we should stand as one it's it's something that you know sometimes can be seen as unrealistic but we have to start somewhere because we are targeting our own gender and that's that's something that's not going to lead us anywhere if we want progress well um right now we will listen to mrs potato head by melanie martinez yes (laughs) again you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio y yolokali in little village And um, well, I just wanted to do like a brief discussion of that song by Melanie Martinez. She's one of my favorite uh, all-time singers. Uh, she, Melanie Martinez, uh, that's from her album Cry Baby. And it talks about like, you know, her emotional roller coasters, you know, the problems she has dealing with certain issues. And um, well, it's based on a character she created called Cry Baby, not ex- exactly something about her personal life because as uh, she recalled in one interview, you know, her life was um, was amazing as a child. And um, she created this fictional character, you know, and it mostly talks about, like, the um, emotional conflicts she has with um, dealing with herself, accepting herself, and also dealing with her family. In this case, she has a dysfunctional family and a guy who doesn't, who treats her like complete garbage. And I, I wanted to acknowledge this because of going back to a conversation we were having that, you know, being emotional isn't a sign of weakness. Melanie, like, shows this in a really, like, unique way because it's, um, she shows us that, uh, if anything, emotions are what makes you who you are. They're what makes you strong. And this is, uh, something that I wanted to acknowledge because she's such a unique person and she has such a unique way of demonstrating that crying, uh, laughing yelling you know letting your anger out your tears out it's okay because it's not a sign of weakness it's the very contrary it's you know a sign that you are a human being you have emotions and that's okay because that's make you that makes you who you are and that doesn't make you weak so i what did you guys think um yeah i agree with you i think that um emotions are seen as a sign of weak weakness as a sign of being vulnerable when no it's not and believe it or not you have emotions it's just you not expressing it you trying to hide it which is not very great 
It isn't because it can bring conflicts, you know, as into understanding someone. If anything, uh, I feel like we should express how we're feeling. It's it's great therapy uh, in uh, becoming a person that you want to be because emotions will help you get to a certain point in your life where you realize you know what i shouldn't be ashamed of this because everybody has this and the song mrs potato head talks about uh especially now on this show we can connect to it it talks about like accepting your image your physical image as a as a woman and also an emotional image you know mrs potato head you know it connects to like how you can like switch up the body parts of um the toy mrs potato head and it, it it's a really unique way of expressing it like i said and uh, it was talking about you know like women getting surgery it does not uh, target women who do get surgery because i mean you can do with your body whatever you want it's just the, it's more on the um side of accepting who you are and that it isn't necessary to do anything to your face you know with or without makeup with or without surgery you're perfect just the way you are and that women should accept that yeah and i think it's also really about the choice right the choice yeah. behind choosing your makeup the uh, the choice behind getting surgery if that's what you are really if that's like what you want yeah yes. if that's what you want you can do it being your decision and not being driven by other outside factors yeah and that was a, a good example of it uh and it's it's also a really catchy song um next we will be playing an audio piece this was actually Ooh. you know made by me and Zippy. cecilia mm-hmm. and we'll be playing it right now when you're out on the streets heading to school or work do you get catcalled hit on hey, yo, let me see them thighs, mamacita. stared at by completely older and vicious men Ooh, that ain't meant for girls honey how many times are we seen as the weaker gender the inferiors the petty challenge the easy target a glass frame waiting to be shattered. Hey, go back to the kitchen. How is it that being in the 21st century, we're still constantly sexualized and pressured to wear what society believes is appropriate clothing? Why are we seen as prizes to be won, delicate objects to be held, property to be preserved? No flirtatious phrase will diminish our pride. That's not really ladylike. When you see our muscles through our clothes, you see our strength. The length of our skirts does not determine our principles. Close your legs. Because we are women, and we should wear that with pride. Wow, that was truly wonderful, girls. That that really spoke a lot to a lot of harassment that women face, simply for what they're wearing. Yeah, it was it was a brief audio piece, um, but uh, we worked on it, and we were you know just inspired by the fact that. Uh, there's so many issues such as catcalling or, you know, being seen as, as some object or a fragile uh, person in a way that you can't take anything like, oh, uh, she's so sensitive or something like that. Again, connecting to emotions. And it's, you know, it explains the, the frustration, but at the end that we can deal with it, you know, because we're strong and we are an equal gender to the male gender. Yeah, I think that um, one problem is that when, when you know, someone is sexually harassed, one of the most popular statements said is you asked for it based on your clothing. And I am completely repulsed by that statement. I don't see why anyone would even think that it's the victim's fault for being sexually harassed, no matter what they're wearing. I don't think anyone asks to be looked at to be eye raped you know to be harassed in that matter you know i I also think that 
we really emphasize many times like don't wear this so that you you can be safe right this idea of rape culture of telling the woman how to dress how to act in order to protect herself well we are not using that narrative with men we're not telling men like hey maybe you should respect when a woman says no so i really think that it's also very important to bring or to take into account the male's perspective in this how is a male raised and how does that really affect uh, affect them throughout their adulthood or their adolescence in the way they view women um yeah and i think that this um we will get like more information on this based on our next audio piece because um it's about the male's perspective of women yes and being raised with women right what is their perspective about women Growing up in a household with women is pretty life-changing. I never had a father figure. The closest thing to a father was my godfather, but it doesn't work much when he lives across the country. I am a 20-year-old man who grew up with female influences, and this is what I've learned so far. Well, let's start by saying I have two sisters and my mother, of course. My sisters would always pick up the pace and follow along, whether it was sports or video games. Also, I had to partake in female activities as well. It was fair, you know? Either playing housekeeping or Barbies, I tag along because, well, they're my sisters and it was fun. FYI, I still have my Ken doll. Sometimes they pretend they were the parents and I was like the uncle or relative. We would often clean the house, wash dishes, or do the laundry. I guess in a way, my mother taught us this. Well, mostly to my sisters because they were women, but not to me. I chose to do it because it was the right thing to do. I thought we should do the same. At that point, I started noticing the different roles. My mother pretty much intended that women should stay at home and take care of the family, while the men would go to work for the family. My mother would often make my sisters clean the house and be the woman of the house. She would teach them how to cook, clean, and do their hair. I would be left out since I am a guy. I was told to wait for the food or go outside while the house is being cleaned. I had my chores, mainly it was to clean my bed or put away my clothes. It was quite unfair, knowing that I wasn't able to cook much. Until one day, I decided just to follow along and see what they were doing. Hmm. I started helping out my sisters and my mother with food. I would mainly watch and get the ingredients for my mother. I'd help clean the house so me and my sisters could have more free time and play Sega Genesis. It was like a team. We would team up to finish quick and we would get to play more video games. In another scenario, it was pretty weird growing up. Going out with them, I was never told to be careful, but rather take care of my sisters. Mind you, I am the middle child. I had to protect my older and younger sibling. I had to be the man when we were out. It was cool knowing that my mother and sisters pretty much look up to me to be the man. I felt responsible for them, for their safety, but sometimes they defended me. At the end, we took care of each other, look after each other. I remember when I was little, I grew out my hair because I would see my sisters get pretty braised or their hair tied. I liked brushing my sisters' hair. I was quite jealous that they can blossom with just their hairstyle for the day. So I grew out my hair. I would brush it and sometimes use hairspray. I never really knew what was it for, but I thought it was astonishing and awesome. It's not really what role do I play when I was growing up, but rather what I enjoy. I enjoyed helping out my sisters. I would go to the store and help out my sisters on what outfit they should buy. I enjoyed helping out my sisters. I would go to the store and help out my sisters on what outfit they should buy for a family gathering or picking their clothes to buy. I would often be asked which shirt is cute or which pair of pin is adorable. 
It was cool, you know? They were pretty much asking me what looked cute from a guy. I'm assuming they wanted to look beautiful and have great impressions from people. On how womanly they are very educated. We would work things out like this. They'd ask me on what guys like and I would ask them what girls like. As mentioned before, I never really had a father so I'd often give them my opinion. They're beautiful. They really didn't have to do much, but they would go the extra mile just to look cute. Well, back to the situation. I would ask them what shirt looks nice or outfit. A few things I picked up while growing up with my sisters is how women should be valued. Not much on how to become a man, but rather becoming a gentleman with women. I would often be reminded to be polite, stand straight, firm handshakes, and first grade impressions. I picked it up after a few years, as I wanted to make my sisters and mother proud. I would still be my silly self and act boyish, but I did it for them. If I couldn't become a great man for my father, I'd rather become a gentleman for my siblings and mother. I wanted to make them proud. Growing up, I would ask them for womanly advice. One instance is how to approach a girl. There's something about women that they like a guy with not just looks, but how nice they are. It is a great experience to know what women look for a guy. My sister would like my cheat sheet in a way. Not to be rude, but it was like, hey, I know how to talk to girls, of course. I would still be shy or nervous. But unimaginable that I was able to understand both genders and discovering who I am going to become. Everything I did was to impress them. I didn't have a father to show him my soccer skills or how would you roll a ball in basketball. But I wanted to impress them on who I can be and what I can do as a man. I never had a father to show me how to become a man, but I have wonderful women in my life to show me how to become a gentleman. And we are back. And remember, you're listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105 FM Lumpin Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y and Yolokali in Little Village. I thought that I actually really liked that. I could actually kind of connect to that because um, I have an older brother. He's the oldest out of the three of us, and I'm the youngest. And I think that him being around women, you know, his only siblings being two sisters, I think that that did affect the way that he was raised. I think that my mom did an amazing job of raising him to be um, a gentleman because not having any brothers, I think that that taught him to respect women more than other, you know, men might say, you know, he respects women, you know, a tremendous amount. I'm so, you know, proud to call him my brother because he's such a gentleman. He respects women. I think that um, he respected his previous girlfriends, you know, very well. And I think that that was, you know, maybe one of the reasons. <laughs> Yeah, I I personally, I didn't have any siblings growing up. I'm the only child. Uh, but I did have a, a, a pretty tough dad and a, a tough mom. <laughs> my mom was like, <laughs> just between <laughs> us, my mom was like ten, a million times tougher than my dad, surprisingly. And um, uh, it's like, um, I, I looked up to her all the time. And, you know, she inspired me to be tough both uh, mentally and physically and she taught me to be mature in so many ways it's she was also one of the inspirations for, for me to join um boxing actually and you know as a matter of fact zippy and i we go to the same boxing gym yes. don't we zippy uh-huh <laughs> and uh, well we uh we've seen both sides to the sport you know and the fact that it's hard when it's mostly guys uh, a male sport uh because there is primarily more guys in our boxing gym than there are girls uh, and it's it's hard because there will be some guys that are like, oh, you can't fight. And then there's going to be those guys that are pretty supportive of your decision of being in the sport. And it's kind of just, you know, you, you look at it both ways and you're like, well, you know what? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, it, you know, it's not 
when you whenever you get those remarks or those comments it's not a reason for you to stop because i like doing boxing i love that sport it's one of my favorite sports and it is my favorite sport actually and i just find it that it that just makes me want to do it more because it's not something that should make us feel inferior yeah and if anything i think that that is something that we should learn out of this show ladies first this idea that no matter what people tell you no matter what society does or the media uh, portrays that we as women should really empower each other respect each other and that as males we should also learn a little bit about feminism and how it's inter uh, intersectional how it includes males so thank you so much for being here with us today thank you yeah so much. yes and please join us next uh, saturday you're gonna hear more about what youth cares about and all these very very fun topics new voices so please stick around and always remember you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio yo locali in little village and follow us on all sorts of social medias instagrams facebook uh we also have a soundcloud and of course you can always chat with us as well yeah and check out those audio pieces we have out there yeah. man they're great yes and next up we're gonna have music jam so Woo. please stick around for that you guys are gonna have great music why listen to other different your ipad that is like really really old and have <laughs> a great weekend guys and yes. just keep on listening to us and jam up to our music yes and enjoy this weather bye bye hello it's me i haven't heard from you in a while I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, amazing, astonishing, highly amazing production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be working on the next one here in Lumpin Radio. So stay tuned to our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, astonishing, highly amazing broadcast. I hope that you are informed about the awesome parts of life and that you will have a splendid day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolokali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokaliartsreach.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.